Before we get to our guest, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really important to me, which is privacy. Moving money around, moving information, sending messages in today's world with Web 3.0 coming down the pike, privacy is very critical, especially to a journalist like myself. Utopia P2P is a complete privacy ecosystem. It's a 360 degree approach to privacy. It includes everything you need to move information or value around the world. It includes a encrypted messenger service, an email platform, and cryptocurrency payment system. It's fully decentralized, so it's not on any main server. It's based on blockchain, so it's distributed. It has an unmatched level of security. It has a feature-rich toolkit on the system uh, that supports 28 languages. There's a very low barrier to entry, and it also supports Bitcoin and also their coin internally. So if you're looking for a way to move information and money around the world where you don't want prying eyes uh, looking at what you're doing, go to Utopia P2P and have complete privacy on their system. And now let's get to our guest. So today in American Conversations, we have Ken Rutgers back with us. Ken, welcome. Thank you. I know it's early on the West Coast, so we appreciate you doing this so early with us. Oh, it's great to be here with you. It's um, a pleasure and an honor. Well, the, the, first of all, I want to find out how's your wife Cheryl doing because she's been back injured. How's she? How's she doing? Yeah, it's been in the right direction. It's been a little over a year. Um, she's uh, made some small improvements by adjusting her diet and exercise, but for the most part, um, she's she's about the same. Unfortunately, I mean, she's she with the rest of the people in her group have tried. Numerous things. She's getting ready to go in for some IVIG uh, treatment, um, but you know she keeps getting tested and keeps trying different um, remedies. And so, so far, slight helps here and there, but nothing, uh, no cure found yet. Right. And uh, what are the doctors saying? Just keep on trying different treatments and see what works. Because I mean, one you know one shoe isn't going to fit all of the people that have been injured. Correct. Correct. I mean, that's what they're finding out, as you as you know, um, and have said, uh, yeah, it's um, everybody's a little bit different. So the doctors are just trying. Let's try this. Let's try that. She's got a neurologist. She's got a natural path. Um, we're going going to also start doing some um, intermittent fasting, working with maybe a barometric chamber to see if that works. So there are things it's just you can't do them all at the same time because then you don't know which one's helping and which one's hurting. So, right. it's, uh, you know, process of elimination. And that takes time, unfortunately. Um, and, and disappointed as well that the um, that there's not a urgency uh, or even a, a reasonable level of consideration and care coming out of our government, which, you know, the NIH, uh, the CDC, the FDA, who is backing and supporting this, um, I mean, my wife and, and the others that have been injured are, you know, great citizens, great Americans that went and, uh, you know, on behalf of fighting this war against COVID a year ago, um, took the shot. Some of them, you know, a year and almost a year and a half ago um, in the trials, trying to help America get beyond this pandemic and ended up drawing the short straw and became collateral damage and have been left on the field of battle by our country, by our government, which is not the American way uh, or the America that I grew up in. Well, it, it, it neither is it the America I grew up in either. Um, Ken, you know, 
the beginning of this month, February, you participated in the uh, Salem Capital, Salem, Oregon Capital uh, demonstration. You spoke. Let me ask you some questions because I think what's kind of interesting to me as a journalist, and, and sometimes we are caught up in our own bubbles because we talk to too many people. Uh, I want to hear from you. What's the conversation, first of all, on the ground? with people who are concerned. And I want to compare it to what people like Fauci and the CEO of Moderna said in Davos less than three weeks ago. Uh, there's a tape of this, so this is not speculation. These guys are speaking in their own bubble to their own people, but it's made, you know, it's public. And they're saying that looking at the horizon in 2023, they're looking to have a seasonal shot that addresses all the variants. Now, this is uh, an earlier in the month, the CEO of, I'm sorry, it's not the CEO of Pfizer, it's the CEO of Moderna. The CEO of Moderna saying, you know, with Fauci, we're looking in 2023 that we're going to have, you know, a seasonal booster, seasonal shot for all variants. So they're not, when, when the people on the ground are looking at no more mandates, let's have long-term studies, published. Let's find out from Pfizer what exactly is in those, you know, 500,000, 600,000 pieces of documents. The judge just over the weekend, or Pfizer just over the weekend, has challenged releasing those documents again. Does that, does that conversation resonate on the ground with people who show up like in Salem, Oregon at the Capitol do they realize that this that it doesn't matter if they're fighting the mandates? It doesn't matter if they're fighting the mandated ma mask with the kids, that these people have an intention to move this down the road and they're not going to give up? Well, I think the people that are showing up, they, they're pretty tuned into the fact that, well, let, me, let me start with um, just the general feeling uh, around our country, because I travel, you know, a little bit, but but in Oregon, you know, I think for the most part, people are saying, "Hey, you know, Omicron, you know, like a cold," and and uh, there's some people that are still very fearful, and and sometimes those people, you know, have some underlying issues, so that's understandable. But for the vast majority of the people, I think uh, even even in Oregon, with with the, the, the newly man, permanently mandated masks, K through 12, conversations of permanent indoor masking as a permanent law or regulation. Mm -hmm. um, most people are saying, hey, this thing's over. Let's get on with our lives. And then, you know, you, you hear about um, our, our Oregon government, our state government um, wanting to get away, uh, do away with, uh, philosophical and religious exemptions. Uh, on March 8th, they're supposed to launch an involuntary or a, a voluntary digital passport system, which is like, that's a head scratcher because there's a current involuntary or there's a current voluntary um, paper passport system that's, mm -hmm. that's not, it's not used maybe a couple venues in Portland, maybe, a, but for the most part, nobody's using that. So we're taking taxpayer dollars to make a, a, a basically unused voluntary paper vaccine mandate uh, 
program and we're going to take taxpayer dollars and make it a digital uh, program, that is a head scratcher unless, like you've alluded to and, and what they got in their own words in Davos, what they're saying is, yeah, hey, they're going full steam ahead. And the people on the ground at the at the rally to stop the mandates, uh, they're aware, and that's why they're out on the streets um, and wanting their voice, and you know, demanding our voices be heard. But I think the average person is not tuned into uh, this con- this continued push for vaccines for everybody, and you know, it's going to. My guess is they would like to see it mandated every year, multiple, at least at least one shot, if not a couple shots every year. And, you know, one would have to, you know, I'm not a, not into guessing motives, but, you know, the most common uh, place to start is, follow, you know, the whole, the old saying, follow the money. So. I, I agree with you. And <clears throat> this, this game that's in motion right now reminds me of incompetent lawyers. Okay. You, you want to sue, you just throw, you throw the kitchen sink up there and you hope some of it survives a motion to dismiss, all right, on the other side. Um, but I think that, you know, one minute you've got the pharma CEOs saying, well, we, we, we don't need a booster. Then we have Fauci saying, well, a booster isn't, your, your, your immune system is not going to be reduced if you have repeated boosters. Then they say, you know, that they want to have a long term in terms of having this seasonal shot. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, they must think the public is stupid not to hear these contradictions, not to see what's going on. But at the same time, they're making it so chaotic that the average person doesn't see it. So how do you think this should be communicated, messaged to the people on the ground who were fighting like they did and you stood by, you know, with, uh, you know, on February 1st in, in Salem, Oregon, because I, th- I think the messaging has to be like the vaccine passport is a big issue, depending upon where, if you're in New York, if you're in Oregon. And yeah, well, I, I, yeah. Or Florida. Yeah, I think there's a couple things going on there. I think one is, I think the average person is not hearing I don't think the media is reporting. The media is shilling for the uh, the Fauci and the politicians and the drug companies, um, not in favor of transparent and honest and straightforward truth. So I don't think most people are hearing uh, the truth of what the, the intent is in the future on this thing. So I think that's the main thing. The people that are aware, because they're, they're looking at multiple news sources, not just one one silo, but they're looking, they're dipping their, their toes into multiple silos. And they're saying, yeah, well, something's going on here because um, no, they're not listening to the people. They're not looking around and saying, hey, common sense says this pandemic's over. And they're not following the science. Um, you know, the science that continues to come out is in direct contradiction to their policies of mandating boosters, of masking five-year-olds, the risk-reward, you know, that that um, risk-benefit analysis of of, um, shooting a triple series uh, mRNA experimental therapy into the arms of a one-year-old is 
I mean, we're losing our minds if, if, but I think most people, they're unaware. You go ask the average person walking down the street and they're like, what? No, I haven't heard that. That can't be true because I'm not hearing it on my newsfeed and people around me aren't talking about it. Interesting. Okay. So that, so, but then again, when we talk about the infants, I always think to myself, who are these parents taking their kids into, into this program? Well, the fear, I think, um, you know, my grandson is a second grader and uh, in a class of about 15 people, he's, he and one other kid are the only ones that are not vaccinated. I'm like, are you kidding me? Seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, and their parents are so fearful. Um, I would say the other thing, too, is probably fear drives most of it, but I think convenience. Hey, you know, I want to get back. You know, I want to visit grandma. I want to travel. Um, you know, it's convenient now. I'm not as fearful. So convenience and fear, you know, are driving parents to get their healthy five-year-old, eight-year-old, 10-year-old vaccinated with an you know, It's like crazy to think that that we're not alarmed when we hear or when we hear ourselves say, yeah, I'm going to go get my five-year-old. I'm taking down to the doctors and, and have him uh, injected with a, a healthy five-year-old, have him injected or her injected with a experimental therapist uh, therapy uh, Gene therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, no, it, it, it boggles the mind when you think about this, you know, but then again, because I'm a journalist, I'm studying it because, and I'm talking to a lot of people and because you have a, um, you have a wife who's vax injured. You've been involved with this, even looking at this from, from a different prison than, than a lot of people. How much should, um, the Canada truckers convoy affect you guys in Oregon? Because you got you guys did your your demonstration call to action immediately after Brussels, the 180 cities overseas, and then DC's um, march against defeat the mandates march in DC on January 23rd. 24th was Ron Johnson's. Then you guys did your event on February 1st, and then then we have the convoy. So I mean. What's it like, you know, seeing the before, the after, the continuation? I mean, has that lifted people up in terms of enthusiasm? Yeah, I think that, the, I mean, I love the fact that the truckers are saying, hey, we, we're truckers, you know, and you think, hey, what, what can truckers do? And, it, and But the truckers say, well, watch what we can do. And they got together, and that's what it's going to take, right? I mean, if the military, you know, right, if people in the military had as a group stood up like the truckers, they would have lifted the mandates on the military. If the nurses and doctors would have in mass, like the truckers stood up in mass, right? They, they stood up, you know, um, I've been talking with um, some minor league baseball players and minor league baseball coaches, and the mandates are coming down on them as spring ball is getting ready to start. And it's like, hey guys, you know, you, you see what the truckers are doing? You know, stand up, form a union, do a 10 day COVID sick out. You know, get that media attention. The challenge, though, is many, and that's, I think this is in, uh, observational from a, a general macro perspective, and that is that when you have 80 plus percent of the people already vaccinated, and those people are now thinking, I'm not going to risk anything. I've done my duty. It's time for you to do your duty. So the way they rolled this thing out, the pressure, the early pressures they put on people, the goalposts continuing to move, mm -hmm. um, they, they slid, they, they slid these, these, um, 
these policies in on us and got us uh, with fear and um, and mandates. Um, and so then it's, it's hard to get people to stand up who already took it. But, you know, re- and I think that's why they've kind of stalled on, on officially stating that you have to be boosted to be considered fully vaccinated. They've talked about it, but I think they're reading the tea leaves. I think people out there are saying, look, I did my part. You move the goalposts. There's a lot of people that I know that are saying, I'm not going to get boosted. And the science, the science says that 60 to 90 days after you get boosted, you're, you're at greater risk of catching Omicron, which has become basically a bad cold for most people, um, than uh, if you're unvaccinated. And I'm a, I, uh, I'm a PhD, uh, I teach uh, sociology uh, college professor, and uh, our school, uh, our, our president has been very cautious about mandating, but came out a couple months ago, got a mandate, and then uh, Biden won the appeal, and, she, and our president moved it up. And then the Supreme Court ruled Biden lost and she moved it back to March. And now it's kind of up in the air. I don't think she wants my read in between the lines. I don't think she wants to mandate it, but she's, I think, getting pressure from the governor uh, here in Oregon, which uh, who continues to put pressure and mandate uh, from from the governor's desk without, you know, she hadn't had a press conference in ages. That's mm-hmm. not a public servant. That's a That's a public tyrant that thinks we're there to serve them and it's like no in america it's supposed to be the other way around but if but if we don't demand it of our public officials then of course they, <laughs> they're going to they get away with it yes. be, yeah so how much money has gone to the state of oregon for the for the covid rollout because what we know is uh that you know there's trillion, there's a trillion dollar plus that's being spent for the covid campaign they snarred in the churches, the black community leaders, the unions, the schools. Um, they, I, I even eavesdropped on some White House office of faith-based calls in early uh, February 2021 and, and March 2021 after Biden was inaugurated. And it wasn't for the press, but I did it anyways because I wanted to find out what these guys were doing. And I heard with my own ears that the White House wanted to get the church leaders married to the black community leaders, married to the unions and get the churches to hold quote unquote COVID events because they're places of um, trust in communities. And they wanted them to host these COVID events to validate the vaccines, so-called vaccines at that point in time. And that happened. And trillions of dollars were spent. There were some churches that signed up for it. There were some theaters that signed up to help the elderly who didn't have access to a computer, you know, to sign them up and drive them to, to get their shots. So, I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a national disgrace at the end of the day because they paid out so much money and there's so many people that are involved with this. But how do we stop it and expose it for what it is? Because it is a, a level of corruption that I don't think we've ever seen in politics at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I, they're using very high levels of uh, social psychology to manipulate uh, people um, getting together, as you said, with different groups. I know uh, I'm a department chair at our, at our college for social sciences, and so we had a department meeting the other day, and they're talking about, hey, how should we use this COVID money? And I'm like, what? Uh, it's a little crazy, right? And, and you know, printing money. 
And you wonder why there's inflation. You wonder why you're paying more at the gas uh, pump, right? Because we're printing money and throwing it out into this economy, uh, bribing people to impose either heavy mandates or soft tyranny through uh, manipulation and social psychology. It's just absolutely nuts. Um, another area that you didn't talk about, but they're paying um, social media stars. They're paying uh, NFL uh, Hall of Famers to go out and promote this thing to the black community. Um, they're paying, you know, different uh, entertainers, you know, to go out and speak about it. It's it's absolutely uh, what. Why would you need? And you know this is in you know that's where I think the American people are starting to wake up because it's common sense. Why would you need, in the face of science, you know that you're that you're directly going against? Why would you continue to pay and need influencers to get us to take an experimental therapy? Well, let's let's talk about how you notice that because Ken, you you explain to the the public if they haven't caught this from an earlier interview. You played football, so you understand that game. All right, so explain to the public, you know, your background in football. Yeah, so um, yeah, I played with the Green Bay Packers for twelve years. Um, my last year, we won a Super Bowl, and um, a few years later, was inducted into the Packer Hall of Fame. Great honor. And so, yeah, when I remember hearing. Uh, a couple different guys that were starting to speak out. They were Hall of Famers, uh, NFL Hall of Famers. Um, but uh, I think it, it, they were paid over a million, not individually, but the, uh, and the PA, the union, the players union was paid a million dollars to distribute money to get these former players to speak out. And I'm like, wow, that and uh, there was a there were quite a few former players that spoke out and said this is absolutely wrong mm -hmm. to manipulate the public i mean it's just it's just a violation of bioethics and morality in general so do you know from your perch who is it that's pushing the unions to do this if it's coming out of the fda nih i mean do we know whether it's, it's coming, coming out, out yeah it's coming out of the federal government i don't know specifically whose budget or pot it's coming out of i don't know if it's a special mm -hmm. covid yeah i don't know that but it is the federal government that's that's uh that's writing that check to the nfl alum uh, nfl alumni what's the next step uh for you guys in oregon going forward now yeah i don't know um we're we, we um we're looking at uh some of the people here in oregon that are fighting this thing we're looking at different um ways we can fight it um in uh in the court systems maybe through a um uh, a citizen's um grand jury I, you know we're, we're exploring those things i think the other thing and one of the things i told um the people at the um the hundreds of people that were at the um, rally is look, I, and I hear this from a lot of people in my wife's group of, of injured, mostly doctors and nurses, because they were first in the rollout to take the shot. I hear it from, uh, from my fellow uh, former um, athletes and teammates that, um, well, I don't want to get, I don't want to make this political or I want to make this, you know, I want to make sure if we're going to get in, we're going to make it bipartisan. I'm saying, look, it already is political. It is already if you <laughs> you're opting out if you're going to say I don't want to I don't want to make this political. It already is political. So if you don't want to dip into the politics, then they've won. 
same with the cancel culture, right? It's like I, I've talked to a lot of people. Hey, let's stand up, and they're and they're ah, you know, I don't want to get canceled. I said, do you see what's happening? You're can't. They have you now canceling yourself. They have us canceling ourselves. When a bully, when you don't even a bully doesn't even need to bully you because you're bullying yourself. What do you do with the bully? You stand up and you speak out against the bully. That's how everybody knows that's how you deal with the bully. It's time to do that, right? And as far as politics go, you know, look at who is standing up for, for against the mandates and for freedom. I don't care if they're red, if they're blue, if they're purple, if they're pink polka dotted, whoever that politician is that's standing up for our freedom, for your freedom, against mandates support that politician and here's another clue where are the people speaking out against the mandates so if you if you see a politician that you like and they're silent that should be a clue as well if they're silent then by acquiescence i mean you know they they must be for it or they're scared well is that the kind of politician you want somebody that doesn't speak up because they're too scared to speak up for our freedoms and and what's right? No. So, you know what? It's time to, it, you know, if, if you're saying, hey, and, and this happened early in, in our group when I, when, when Ron Johnson, who was already kind of in this space, when, when we started touching base with him and he started um, helping my wife's group, some of the people early on said, man, I can't get on board with that because he's a Republican. Well, we, talked, we talked about that, and and I I talked about that with some some of the vaccinated. I I couldn't believe it. I thought to myself, you're gonna allow poly, you're gonna get caught up in that when you when you nobody else is helping you. Right, and and you know it's been amazing though is time time is a great equalizer, and so you wouldn't right. believe the amount of people that at first blush, which is understandable, right? Because we've been pitted against each other, balkanized, tribalized. You know, it's an us and them, and we've been propped prompted and prodded by social media, by politicians uh, to, to see each other as the enemy um, if you're in a different tribe or clan. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think there is a great awakening that's, that started to happen at the end of last year. And I hope it continues, you know, it should. I mean, these, and, and even the truckers, how they're being framed. These truckers are being framed by the media as, and by Trudeau as, uh, um, terrorists, um, violence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and then we hear reports on the ground. I mean, I would say, you know, um, that, that whatever little bit of trust our government and the media have left, they're destroying whatever little bit of trust they have. And people are starting to wake up and let's keep it rolling and don't be afraid to speak out to your friends and your neighbors and, and, you know, it's time for all of us to like the truckers. I mean, they're giving us an example. It's time for all of us to start rolling. Mm, that's a good, that's a good quote. That's a good quote. We talked to, before they rolled into Ottawa, we talked to uh, a young film crew who's been providing us with, with some, some wonderful footage and, and information. And also one of these older guys who's a believer in God, who was just, we're going in with a lot of love. And, and he, he had signatures all over his truck and he was coming from British Columbia, rolling right into Ottawa and they're there. And then, you know, the last uh, 24, 48 hours is when you started hearing about how Trudeau comes out and calls this, you know, a violent crowd when in fact it's 180 degrees from there. So Trudeau doesn't, I mean, when Trudeau's lack of 
truthfulness really comes down in the history books. He's gone. He's gone. He, he has no credibility left. But you do. But the, the chief of police in Ottawa also resonated and repeated his, you know, saying that th this is too much. We don't have the manpower. We're going to bring people in. And then last night we got some we got some wind of yesterday of how, you know, the gasoline is being confiscated by some cops. People are rolling outside of Ottawa. But you know, they had a press conference last night and basically said, you know, after going through the cancelization of GoFundMe, the nine or ten million dollars, people are people can see through this. Yeah, they can see through it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we yeah. got some footage of the, the people on horseback down near the uh, border with the U.S. The truckers went down there and then the people on horseback went down there over the weekend. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, this is terrific. And, and in the U.S., right, L.A. and, uh, you know, uh, L.A. to D.C. truckers um, convoy. They're know, talking I, about it. They're talking yeah. about it. Do we have that set in stone yet where we're going to do that and have the truckers go all the way to D.C.? Yeah, I heard that they're trying to get that going. We'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if, 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 if as Americans, you know, we're going to sit on our in our comfortable, easy, easy boy chairs or whether we're going to get up and, and I would love to see all of us, you know, get along those routes, you know, like the Canadians have done to support, you know, our truckers uh, convoy, if we can get that going. I, I hear that. I hear it's going to happen, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. And that's supposed to happen in the next couple of weeks. Yep. It's supposed to be on, on the brain. You know, the other thing, the other observation too, that was a surprise was, um, you know, as I dipped my toe into this and went, you know, to a couple of these rallies this last year, um, it was interesting because my my perception, because the media had so labeled and framed the, you know, the people that go to these health, freedom, stop the mandates rallies, you know, they throw a label on them. these anti-vaxxers, crazy, wacky, angry. And my wife and I showed up at a freedom uh um, a rally in San Diego, she was speaking. Um, and I got to be kind of her, you know, the roles are reversed. Now I was her arm candy instead of the other way around. And so I kind of got a chance to observe and they're the, you know, this, this space is full of people that are great human beings care about humanity, their own and others. Uh, and you said, mentioned it earlier, preaching love, not hate. Right. Right. They're not angry. And it is, man, you go to these rallies and it's like, man, I, it's positive and it's energized. And I feel, I feel better about, about humanity, you know, as opposed to sitting alone in the, in our, in our media silos with just bad news, bad news, demonizing, labeling, uh, and labeling, you know, people. And then you go to these events and you're like, wow, these are people that are giving their time, donating their money, um, shaking hands, giving hugs. Compassion. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. I mean, I've told some of my former teammates, I said, you got to go to a rally just to experience how awesome it is to be in such a positive space of love. It's incredible. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not exactly what the mainstream media has portrayed it to be, and I haven't seen too many of them showing up in this space. And coming coming from being associated with four U.S. networks, it's it's a shame to me that when I see this, but it's also shameful to me when I hear you know doctors referring to ivermectin as you know horse medicine. 
uh, and not recognizing that it was used for river blindness all across Africa. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, the disinformation is coming out of the main the mainstream. And the science is there, right? The science and the data and the research is is there. And within the last couple of months, on ivermectin and some other masks, and it's in bright neon light that's blinking, saying "Wake up, wake up!" And people, you know, people are starting to, regardless. Well, yeah, and, and I think I think what's what's also interesting to me is within the vax injured population. Some of them have resorted to after trying a lot of different, you know, uh, medicines, and and some alternative too. But they have re, they have gotten to the point where they're trying ivermectin, and it's having a positive effect upon some of them, not all of them, because again, one you know one shoe doesn't fit all. But right. even even among the vaccine injured, it's not just the people who get it, use it as an early treatment. It has positive effects for people. So I mean, all of this conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, against ivermectin. Anybody that is against ivermectin, I I question where are they getting their money. I really yeah, not, yeah, and not only where they're getting their money, but where they're getting their information. Because I think I think uh, some of them aren't being paid, but some, but a lot of them are. They're swallowing the BS that's being shilled out by the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the end, um, you know, when I, I at some point, you know, I think this pandemic is going to fizzle, I would encourage people and through the through our political process, through our self-governing republic, our system of government that that has blessed us and benefited us and our in our um, and our ancestors, you know, our ancestors, our parents and grandparents and great grandparents for hundreds of years. Not perfectly. Right. Not perfectly. But perfect. Um, yeah. You know what? Take it to the voters booth. If if you're if the politician that's if the person running in your district or for your senator or house or even local state politics, if they're not speaking out against these mandates against uh, soft tyranny, vote for somebody else. Vote that that's your power, and that's an easy power. You go in a private booth if you're you know, or you mail it in, or you know, and you vote. Nobody knows, but you know. Look and see who's standing up for your freedom and who's keeping silent and letting soft tyranny rule. Make your decision. We all have that that opportunity. Ken Records, thank you for joining us. Will you come back and we fill us in and update us on the truckers convoy because we're here the same as you are that it's going to rock and roll across and hopefully it will. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And keep you keep rocking and rolling too, Christine. Thank you, Ken. Our best to Cheryl. Thank you.